Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday to you. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for Tim with Tim. I love you all so much. Thank you for being a part of my life in the Word, and uh, uh, it's a privilege to be a part of yours. I love doing this together. We go verse by verse through the Word of God, and today we are in Acts chapter 7, verses 1 to 59. It's a long passage today, but man, I am fired up reading uh, Stephen's sermon today. I guess I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm sure I've read it, but at the same time, this is something I've probably always skimmed because you get into it and you think, well, gosh, Stephen, <laughs> I've heard all this before. I mean, it's is he stalling? Like, you know, they're going to kill him at the end of this. So is he just trying to tell the whole story of the, like goes all the way back to Abraham and <laughs> preaches the whole Old Testament? You know, is he just trying to, you know, you know, bore him to death or, you know, stall till he can, you know, I, I mean, again, I've always sort of read it uh, quickly uh, as if it's something that, you know, doesn't matter. But man, today I, I've, I'm digging into this thing and I'm pretty amazed at this man. What an amazing message. Uh, what an amazing man of courage. Uh, I, I love this. It's his only chance to defend himself. He is standing before the, the Sanhedrin and uh, all of this long, you know, message is in response to one simple question that's asked in verse one, and that is, are these accusations true? Are these accusations true? It's Stephen's opportunity to make a defense, but he doesn't make a defense. He's not interested in defense. He's interested in witness. And this is what I just keep coming up in, in, in this reading of the book of Acts with you, just the early Christians, uh, amazing courage to see every opportunity as an opportunity for the gospel. So this is Stephen's chance to save his own life, but that's not why he's here. He's not here to save his own life. He's here to be a witness. Don't get me started. It's an amazing sermon. And uh, again, I, I repent forever having skimmed Acts chapter 7. This is, this is something else. And so the accusations that he's responding to are sort of twofold that that this man, you know, that that Stephen and, you know, of course, as an extension of Jesus, that he's been speaking against Moses and against the Holy Temple. You know, that Jesus said he would destroy the temple. And, and Stephen is just, you know, continuation of Jesus's, you know, rabble rousing kind of blasphemy. So again, against Moses and against the temple. And when you, when you realize that that's what Stephen's doing, he's actually responding to those charges it's pretty amazing. Now he goes all the way back, all the way back to Abraham and just starts walking through the, the Old Testament story, the Jewish story. And, and I, I just wonder what the Sanhedrin is thinking. Now, for the most part, early on, it's a straight story. You know, and there's no place in here where Stephen in any way distorts or blasphemes a story. He's just telling them the story back. Um, he starts with Abraham, and he moves straight through Abraham, and he goes all the way into Joseph. And, and one of the themes you'll notice early on is that Stephen kind of stresses that God is never tied down to any particular land, you know, or, or in any particular, you know, location. That it's always more God following his faithful people who are pilgrim people on the move. It's, a, it, it's more that kind of, uh, that, that kind of, a pattern that that Stephen is, you know, teasing out of the Old Testament. He goes straight through the story all the way up to the story of Moses. And again, he's stressing that God has these appointed leaders, but that the people of Israel always reject them. 
you know, sort again, you start sort of following this pattern. And what Stephen is doing is 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 just weaving this uh, amazing. I, I hesitate hesitate to say trap, but it functions like Jesus's parables in the sense that the Sanhedrin steps into this story and they don't know. They don't know that you know that that you know they're about to drop the truth on them like a ton of bricks. They don't know that. Uh, you sort of get the hint in verse thirty-seven, and this really stands out to me as one of the early themes of of the preaching in the book of Acts. And I've never seen this before, but keep they keep going back to this statement from the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter eighteen, verse fifteen. I think is where Moses says this that God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people, and you must listen to him. This is the second time, by my count, second time that this you know, quotation from Moses has come up. The first time was in Peter's sermon. You know, Peter said this you know, back in chapter 2, chapter 3. Peter says this in his sermon. Uh, and so I think this is an interesting, again, I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of interested in the way the first Christians preached the gospel of Jesus with nothing but the Old Testament. If I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus, I'm always going to take you to the New Testament. I'm always going to take you to the gospels. I'm always going to take you to to you know, to to the book of Romans, and that's where we think of the gospel being located in Scripture. But they didn't have the New Testament, and so it's interesting the the, the text that they go back to, and that text from Deuteronomy where Moses says, "I'm going to raise up a new prophet." God says, "A new prophet, you must listen to him." Um, it's just amazing to me how the Old Testament preaches the gospel. Um, but again, I think it's interesting how. Uh, Stephen here picks up, you know, Peter's theme of, of that prophet like Moses. I think it's interesting, honestly, how much alike these two sermons are, especially in light of how different the response is. Man, Peter preaches it, 3,000 people get saved, you know, or, or again, Peter and John preach it, you know, and they at least get turned loose, you know, but man, Stephen's going to preach this and they're going to lose their minds. In other words, the sermon's kind of always the same, the response is different, usually because the audience is, is, is a little bit different, but I love the way the gospel is never changed for the sake of the audience. The gospel is the same. The response can be different, but the gospel remains the same, and, and, and we're seeing that now as it's preached over and over in the book of, in the book of Acts. A prophet like Moses, it says in verse 37 and then verse 39, uh, the people refused to listen. Our ancestors refused to listen. They rejected him, and, and on and on it goes. Uh, Stephen makes the turn toward the tabernacle, and then he makes a quick turn toward the temple, and then he uses that amazing passage from the Old Testament where it says the Most High doesn't live in temples. He doesn't live in temples. He doesn't live in any kind of temple built with human hands, you know. And then verse 51, like I say, boom, he drops the truth on him like a ton of bricks. Now, what's he said in his sermon? He's just sort of, you know, teased out. God doesn't live in, in human temples. God isn't located. God isn't limited. God in no way is identified solely with one place you know, one building. And at the same time, there's this long theme of God's people. Every time God raises up an appointed and anointed one, you know, they reject him, they refuse him. And then Stephen turns right around and says, you stubborn people, you know, name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute, you know. It's like, whoa, what? 
It's like all of a sudden, Stephen switched places with them. And this whole time, they thought that he was going to defend himself against their charges. But as it turns out, Stephen ends up putting them on trial and he just pronounced a verdict and they're the guilty ones. You know, you stubborn people, you know, name one prophet you didn't persecute. You know, they're the guilty ones. You deliberately disobeyed God's law. You're the disobedient ones. You received it from the hands of angels. You know, okay, now this makes them furious. You knew it would. This makes them furious. But here's the new part, y'all. I did not see this until reading this with you. I did not see this until I read this with you. And it's, uh, it, it's the part that makes them just go nuts. And it's where Stephen has this. It's called the beatific vision. He has this beautiful vision. And then he, he, he says it right out loud. Look. I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Okay, they lose their minds when he says that. Now, honestly, here's the thing that's new for me. I went back to see what Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke. Remember, Luke and Acts, they go together. It's one document, two parts, one document. I went back to Luke chapter 22, where Jesus is in front of the same council, and Jesus says the same thing, except Jesus says, from now on, you're going to see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God the Father. I mean, Jesus said this. He just said this in front of the council not too long ago, and that's what makes them lose their minds. Because Stephen now says the same thing Jesus said to the same, same guys. But this time, Stephen says he's there. He's standing, you know. Jesus said this, and now Stephen says this, and it makes them want to lose their minds. Uh, and so they take him out to stone him. Stephen's the first martyr. Don't forget that word witness. It's just martyr. When Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses, he said, you shall be my martyrs. It wasn't necessarily Jesus saying you're all going to die, although so many Christian witnesses through the years have died. But it's just that interesting way that those of us who are witnesses, we think of it as, you know, an opportunity if, 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 the, if the moment's right, you know, if, if we feel comfortable and if the other person seems extremely friendly and open, we might tell them about Jesus. But again, this, this first association of being a witness means, I mean, you will lay your life down for the sake of the truth of this message. And so Stephen lays his life down. Now, just a couple of things. When Stephen says, I see the Son of Man standing, you know, remember Jesus said, you're going to see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God. And, and Stephen says he's standing. People often make something of that, the fact that Jesus is standing. And, and nearly every other reference to Jesus at the right hand of the Father, he's seated. But Stephen says he's standing. Uh, most people, and I'm in this number, I, I feel like Jesus is standing for the sake of the fact that he's about to welcome Stephen. You know, he stands to welcome his witness. He stands to welcome his servant Stephen. I think that's beautiful. Uh, it mentions here that the young man Saul is standing here when they stone him. As a matter of fact, he held everybody's, you know, held everybody's purse while they threw the rocks. And, and uh, that's disturbing and alarming, but we all know where that leads for the young man Saul. But then this last part, Stephen prays as he's being stoned, as the stones bounce from his skull. Uh, understand, he prays. He prays a two-part prayer. The first part is quiet and more or less silent to himself. And that's the part that says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 
that part is quiet. But the second part of his prayer, he shouts. He shouts it because he wants them to hear it. And what does he shout? Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. So the second part of his prayer is the part he shouts out loud so they'll hear him. But that is the part that says, you know, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, he dies so much like Jesus. Uh, wow, you see what I mean, man? I just love that so much. God, forgive me for ever reading through chapter seven quickly because that's an amazing sermon, y'all. That's how you preach right there. That's how you bear witness. I love it. We'll pick up right here tomorrow. Chapter eight, verses one to 25. Uh, we're gonna do a little bit of a summary statement uh, based on what happens next after Stephen's death. And then we're gonna meet uh, Simon the Magician tomorrow. It's one of my favorite stories. Simon the Magician in chapter eight, verses one to 25. So listen, have a beautiful, beautiful Tuesday. It's a, it's a beautiful sunshine today. It's gonna be a nice day, so enjoy it. God made it for you. So make the best of this day. Stay in the word, and I'll see you in the morning. Lord willing, 10 o'clock for Tim with Tim. I love you all. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow.